Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number six of the Starting Hunting Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Colton and Jeff Kelso of K4 Outfitters. We talk about all kinds of stuff on this podcast. Can't even really summarize it. It was a ton of fun having these guys on and chatting with them. I hope you guys enjoy it, listening to them as much as I enjoyed chatting with them. They're super cool guys, super knowledgeable, and a lot of fun to talk to. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Hunting Podcast. Today, I am joined with a couple fellow hunters from K4 Outfitters. How's it going tonight, guys? Excellent, brother. Very good. Good, doing good. Good over here. Oh, sorry, I'm doing good here myself as well. Good, good. I am joined today with Jeff and Colton Kelso of K4 Outfitters. Um, they run an outfitting business mostly out of Ontario here in Canada. Um, do you guys want to tell me a little bit about your uh, outfitting business? Sure. We're, you know, we're, mom have been a lifelong hunter and my father was a hunter and uh, I introduced the, the boys and my daughter to hunting at a very early age. So we mostly have been doing it for our own, you know, personal enjoyment and as an opportunity to bond as a family with friends on outdoor adventures. So that's really the, the origin of it. But uh, in my retirement, um, I did purchase uh, bear management, uh, two bear management areas and, and started guiding a little bit uh, in my retirement. And then, of course, as the inquiries came in and requests for various outdoor activities beyond hunting, uh, the kids became involved. Um, Colton has guided some turkey hunts, et cetera, and, and fishing adventures. And, and Hayden has done some whitetail and turkey hunting as well. And so, you know, we're all involved, but it's, it's by no means a full-time occupation. It's something that we do regardless. We do it because we love to do it and we often bring new hunters out and, and, uh, and that's essentially what our business is about. That's good. That's good. Um, so you mentioned a bear management area. I'm kind of familiar with this. Um, in a previous podcast, I had mentioned that my grandfather was a black bear outfitter himself. And I know bit about bear management areas um he's not around anymore to answer all my questions so could you kind of explain the bear management area system sure so to be an outfitter for bears uh, in this case you have to be registered with the ministry of natural resources and uh, this is for of course non-resident hunters principally although we have taken out uh, resident hunters but the tag allocation is uh, for non-resident hunters. I can take you, for example, bear hunting with your own tag and, and away we go. And we're able to hunt anywhere in Ontario because of the fact that you're an Ontario resident. But if an American or somebody from out of province wanted to come here and, and uh, to go hunting and particularly go hunting with us here in K4, we are assigned a, a designated area. It's uh, a BMA, a bear management area is typically 10 to 20,000 acres. We have two, and it constitutes about 36,000 acres in the Bancroft area. And we're allocated uh, based on bear numbers, uh, a number of tags per year for each of the BMAs. And then it's up to us to sell those tags and, uh, and, you know, um, host um, non-resident hunters. Okay. That's Um, how the system works. That's that's interesting. So myself, I am completely fascinated with elk and especially in Ontario and you mentioned Bancroft so you got me all fired up there (laughs) yeah we've got elk yeah 
<laughs> have you had any on a trail cam? I got to know. Um, no, I don't think we've got any on a trail cam, but we've certainly seen them while hunting. We certainly heard the bugling and, and seen the sign. There's a, there's a property very close. We have a thousand acre land lease from a lumber company uh, right beside our cottage south of Bancroft. And that's where we do most of our whitetail hunting and with residents, our bear hunting and turkey hunting and so on. Uh, but there's a private landowner in that area, and I'm not going to give the position away. <laughs> but they, uh, they love the elk and they, they feed the elk. And it, so it's become a wintering ground. And so, yeah, I've been over there a number of times uh, off season and seen, you know, 100 elk. And it's, it's, an, it's an awesome sight. We've hunted a great deal out west and in the states, and seen herds of elk. But to see them here in Ontario, see them doing well, it's 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 great to see. But uh, we've never been successful at drawing a tag here. Uh, we've only tried a few times, and uh, of course, we've never guided for it. We don't have uh, tag allocation for that. But um, yeah, they're around. They're awesome to see. Yeah, the, I don't think the population in Ontario is anywhere close to what it should be before we have uh, tag allocations by guides and whatnot. I mean, I think in the Bancroft area, we're floating around 600-ish elk. Yeah. And I believe last time I checked, it was 56 tags for 2019. So st- still a long way to go, but... Uh, but we're definitely getting there on the reintroduction of elk. I mean, if we could see it to the, to the quality of the wild Turkey, that would, uh, that would make me a happy camper for sure. Um, a little bit tougher for elk, I would imagine than turkeys, but, uh, only time will tell. Right. So, yeah, they're a big mammal and, uh, their reproduction rates are not the same. So, um, yeah, we can be, we can remain hopeful. There, there's not everybody is, uh, is, is as enthusiastic as you are about the reintroduction of elk. Uh, farmers are not a big fan. They can really decimate a crop. They're not good to, for the deer population. So there, there are some negatives. And, um, and of course, there are a lot of people that simply don't want you hunting them because the, you know, they'd enjoy seeing them, particularly this individual that, uh, that feeds them in the wintertime in their winter grounds. Uh, they're not avid hunters, but uh, it's a bit of a controversy around the hunting aspect when it comes to elk for sure. Yeah, I mean, purely pure um, personal opinion. I because I'm from Ontario and we have such a strong population of all the other animals that were available to hunt here. Like we have a very steady bear population, very steady whitetail population, a very steady turkey population, to name a few. Um, I still have a hard time wrapping around, wrapping my head around having a hunting season for 600 animals, but yeah. that's just it's a personal opinion i mean um the lovely thing about hunting is especially in north america is it the regulations are set out by sound science so i'm not a scientist um (laughs) i'm electrician by day um definitely not a uh, elk biologist so (laughs) yeah we have to have uh put our faith in the mnr that they know what they're doing and and have faith in the tag allocations that they're sustainable. And, and uh, as a guide and as a responsible hunter, all, all you can do is observe those, those numbers and those allocations and, uh, and support it. And uh, yeah, it is a bit of a leap of faith, but uh, yeah. yeah, let's hope no, they're I, doing a great job. <laughs> I, I mean, 
argue with the past of the MNR. I mean, essentially since the early 1900s, they've done a terrific job from taking a province of essentially just that was decimated of wildlife to turning it into a very productive uh, province to hunt in. And it's visited by people all over the, all over the world. So you have to, uh, whether you agree with it or not, trust sound science and uh, it's, it's hard to argue with numbers. Yeah, right? I think the so moose, uh, the moose hunting allocation is, is is far more controversial. I mean, I we do a lot of moose hunting. We don't have a moose allocation, but um, we, you know, we certainly know a number of moose outfitters, and and they are not happy with what the government is doing. So, you know, it really depends on the species as well. But um, overall, I'd say they're I'm I'm pretty happy with the what the MNR is doing. Yeah, I have no complaints, and I, uh, I I trust them, essentially, what it comes down to. So, um, you guys have a big trip plan that uh, Colton was telling me about. Do you want to uh, yeah, let give me a little rundown on what you got you, planned no, over the yeah, next we're month or so? Tomorrow morning, 5 a.m., so I'll let, I'll let Colton explain what we're up to. Here you go. Yeah, so uh, we're leaving tomorrow morning to uh, set off to up to North BC, just about, uh, to pretty much call it Yukon from... From where we'll be, you could throw a rock and you'd be there. It's called uh, Desilla Lake, I believe, is where we're go- going to. It's, uh, and it, there's about five lakes connected there, so it's going to be lots of good fishing opportunities up there. Big mountain ranges. It's a flying as well. Yeah, it's a flying sermon. <laughs> it's just trying to give me some hand signals here. I was trying to figure out what he was saying. But yeah, so it's a big flying trip. So we're <laughs> taking six days to drive out there. So I'll be driving. So every drive for the day stop for a night camp out somewhere have some have some dinner do some fishing along the way just make a make make a good adventure out of it yeah and how long is the total trip uh, we'll be about five weeks so six days to drive out there two weeks in at camp there and then we got i think maybe five or six days we're driving back to uh thunder bay here just uh, a little bit north of Thunder Bay, Armstrong, Ontario. We're doing another fly-in, but this time it's just going to be a fishing trip. So what's the name of the lake there, Dad? Um, Lee Lake. Lee Lake, I think, yeah. I think that's right, Lee Lake it's called. So it's going to be another great opportunity, some amazing fishing. I think we've got some lake trout there, uh, brook trout, pickerel, uh, pickerel pike. pike, and uh, maybe even some whitefish. Yeah, we're there, I think, for two weeks again as well. And then it'll be the last uh, leg of the trip. Probably being only two days home from Thunder Bay. It's not, not too far. Probably do a nice push. We're calling it the COVID hunt because it's, yeah, the, the outfitters are, are hurting because the Americans aren't coming. And let's face it, most outfitters are catering to non-residents. And uh, with the Americans not coming this year, their their numbers are way down and some outfitters are not even opening uh, and others have run some specials for the resident hunters. And um, let's face it, uh, Yukon, North BC moose hunting is not cheap. <laughs> so, you know. No, that, uh, I, I mean, in my eyes, I would kind of write that down into the once in a lifetime kind of hunt, but it sounds like you guys are living the dream. For the <laughs> it next is going to be fantastic. You're not wrong. And to have both my yeah. sons coming along um, because of COVID again, be, you know, work is not what it should be. And so they're available. And again, I'm retired, but um, 
it's a great opportunity. We certainly want to seize the day and we're going to make the most of it. And it'll be a trip of a lifetime. I hope they never forget. And I sure know I won't. Yeah, well, definitely when you guys get back, I'm going to have to steal you sure. for another hour or so. And we're going to have to do a breakdown of that hunt because that, uh, well, it might take more than an hour to break down all that because that sounds amazing. I, uh, I, I'm working still and I st- just, uh, I had my holidays approved for a week off to essentially guide my buddy for a bear hunt. Um, not officially guide, he's just going to hunt my spot. Um, and then we are, if we fill his tag, we're going to drive 16 hours north where I can get my second bear tag. I filled one in the spring and I thought that was the cream of the crop of the hunting the hunting season, but it sounds like you guys got it all figured out. (laughs) I don't know about that, but it's, it's going to be great. I mean, it's an awful long way to go. It's a 56 hour drive. Um, but it's the land of, uh, giants and it's, uh, it's not every day. I mean, you're not going to see that the, both the boys have shot 54, 56 inch, uh, Ontario bull moose, which is quite spectacular. Um, but to get in the 65, 70 inch range, yeah, that would really be something. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, are you, so you're kind of getting into grizzly country, one hundred percent. Yeah, say. Yeah, that's uh, see from a guy that's essentially only hunted the southern half of Ontario. That almost sounds like a different planet to me. Um, do you have any experience in that kind of? Uh, yeah, we've uh, we had. Uh, I was looking at buying a an outfitting business out in uh, Cranbrook, British Columbia. We had a property there for a number of years in Kimberly, little ski town. And uh, I was looking at buying a, a bear and uh, elk outfitting operation there. It didn't come to pass, but we did a bunch of hunting because uh, I was living there, starting my retirement there, spending the winters there skiing. So I was able to uh, get a BC license for a period of time, give up my Ontario to go out and hunt the elk and grizz. And so, yeah, we've done a, or I guess I should say I have the Colton lived there for a year and didn't get much of an opportunity to hunt, but I I've certainly hunted it and I've had unfortunately a number of very close encounters with grizzly bear. And I, uh, I don't really enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a little too much, (laughs) especially uh, coming down a mountain on horseback at last light and coming nose to nose on a switchback with, uh, with, uh, you know, a thousand pound grizzly bear and you're in their way. It's, uh, it's most unsettling. So, you know, you have to be extremely careful. A gunshot in that country is like ringing a dinner bell for a grizzly bear. They can, they know that that means there's likely to be a fresh kill and, and they're going to come and investigate. So you have to get uh, off the mountain. You got to get your animal dressed and quartered up and packed out. Uh, there's no uh, leaving it and tracking it the next day uh, on fear that the bears will get at it and there'll be nothing left to harvest. So, and you don't want to be hanging back around. Uh, only in Fernie, just uh, just that was only a couple of years ago, a father and son had shot an elk and backed out because they thought they'd made a marginal shot and uh, went back in the next day and and they were you know trying to track the animal and find it and it looked like they could see the the elk kind of underneath the the, the limbs of a big spruce tree and reached underneath there to try to get at the elk and they got tore up pretty bad by the grizz so. I mean, it can be, there was a grizz on the bear, on the elk, obviously. And it, it, I mean, you just have to be so careful, so careful. Even hunting, guys will douse yeah. themselves in elk urine to, to mask their scent and try to, you know, imitate being a cow, trying to bring a big bull in. And uh, that can prove 
very deadly as well. So you have to be very mindful that these uh, apex predators are in the woods with you and you don't not want to become <laughs> prey, you know, <laughs> you want to be in control of the situation, but it's, uh, it, you have to be very careful. It's not like here in Ontario. We, we really don't have to worry about that too much. Black bears can be an issue, but I know something about a thousand pound grizzly bear running 30 miles an hour. That makes you really pause. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, kind of the nice part about Ontario is you're worried about bull moose in the rut, maybe, and then a uh, like a mother yeah. with cubs as yeah. far as black bears. And beyond that, I mean, not you're not really going to run into too many issues without getting into a freak accident with you know something very out of the ordinary happening. But uh, back to you mentioning people putting elk urine on them. You're uh, you're playing a dangerous game in yeah, country. Not a doing fan, that. No, exactly. I mean, but even if you I, just have a drag line, I would go know, instead of having it on your boots or on your on your clothing. I mean, just even running a drag line or a scent, having a scent rag nearby. I mean, it it, it it's you know it's going to bring the predators in. It's 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 just part of playing yeah, in that uh, sure. playing that game in that country. And and up there as well, you're kind of you're in mountain lion country. Oh which, yeah. Or they might be a little, they'll jump on you a little bit faster in the sense that they're a little more stealthy than a than Yeah, a they're coming at sure. you up out of a tree as you go by on horseback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you uh, had any? Uh, I have not, but I've, I've certainly read the books and heard the stories. And, um, and again, just ever so mindful of when you're traveling in that country. We were in Montana and uh, Swan yes. Valley, uh, just south of Alberta. And, uh, again, on a horseback and our guides had encountered one, but, uh, threw one of the wranglers off his horse and he got banged up pretty good, but, uh, no, nothing personally, but again, you know, so many stories out there and it's, <laughs> you, uh, you'd certainly have to be mindful of that and be careful. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like you've kind of hunted. Would it be fair to say all yeah, over I would North say America? That. Yeah, no. Or just in the... From Florida, hunting uh, yeah. turkeys, trying to get the Grand Slam and turkeys to Yukon for moose, to Newfoundland, to Montana and Oregon. Yeah, I've I've, I've been very fortunate to bounce around and, and been in some beautiful country. And the boys have had some great trips with me. They've been to Newfoundland fly fishing and northern Ontario on moose hunts. This is certainly going to be their first opportunity to go to northern BC to hunt the Yukon border. Atlin is the area really we're, we're flying into. It's it, that's special for sure. And then, um, yeah, no, you guys never came out to Cranbrook. Eh? I hunted with you uh, once or twice out there. Cause I was, I was living in uh Fernie. You see it. This is what happens. You start to forget <laughs> so many hunts. They start to blend into one another. <laughs> have to get the, have to get the book and journal out and figure out for sure what's going on. So yeah, it has been, I've, I've been really fortunate. It's been great. Yeah, for sure. And you just, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned the grand slam of turkeys. Um, did you? No, I did not. I did not. So yeah, it's, uh, it's on the bucket list things to do, but, um, yeah, I have not completed it and I'd like to try to do it in one year as well. So, uh, and I, and I probably want to drive next time. So, um, and you even go for the driver. <laughs> you hear that yeah <laughs> you're gonna have to get on and make a living here soon <laughs> but no i have not completed 
but it's certainly going to have it's certainly going to which happen. one are you missing oh on the years that i've attempted it it's just seemed to fall apart and i've only ever gotten just one of the species so you know and and, and florida is, a very, is probably one of the tougher birds to get and so there's such a limited area you have to go through an outfitter um well no that's not true i did a do-it-yourself but I've, it's proving to be that i need to go through an outfitter to get it done and because of the grand slam and because it's such a finite area and only a number of birds available that they, you know, they charge a bit of an exorbitant price to get them. And, and I'm a little bullheaded. I want to try to do it myself first. So uh, I've got to get that figured out. I'd rather do it all by myself yeah. rather than through, uh, through guiding operations. Well, that yeah, just takes more sure. time. And so that would be the, yeah. So you're missing just the Osceola turkey. Um, that's correct. Yep. That's going right. off. Okay. Just going that's off right. by how you said uh, right. Florida. So. Um, so with hunting kind of all over North America, what's kind of, what's been the wildest huh. hunt you've been on? Hmm. Or are you, you, are you starting that, you that tomorrow? You asked that of Colton and I'll <laughs> think on it. Well, for me, uh, that okay. would have definitely Colton? been that trip that we took up to Armstrong, Ontario back when I was just, just a little kid. I would think I was, uh, I was, I think I was 15. I was 10th grade. Uh, yeah, that was first morning. I was just, I, I wasn't even, I'll be honest, I was not ready for it. First morning, uh, you know, just getting into camp. I'm still tired. We set up on the beach. We set up still maybe five in the morning, five, a little bit about 5.30. It's the fall, so the sun's getting up a little later. So I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to take, you know, take 20 minutes. So I'm laying down pretty much at my dad's feet, and I wake up to a foot to the back of the head, and then a big loud bang, and I didn't have time to realize what I'm shooting, what's going on, and I just brought my gun up and, put three rounds from uh from my british 303 which my poppy's gun he shot his uh his first moose with that gun my dad shot his first moose as did my brother so it's you know it's a piece of kelso history that gun and it's just yeah, the experience sure. made it that much more humble but for me that was that was definitely one probably my best uh, hunting experience right there shooting that big bull moose and then then pulling him out of the water just dressing him up there right on the beach quartering him up loading them up in the boat and hauling them back to camp. Everything about that was just epic Epic for me. Was, so at that point, I'd only ever shot a couple turkeys and some geese done goose hunting. So just going from, you know, turkeys and geese or, you know, under 20 pounds to 1,400-pound bull moose was just unreal. I remember just, just sitting there just shaking, couldn't, yeah. could not sit still. It was just absolutely <laughs> breathtaking experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, every time anybody sees a moose, you're just your jaw hits yeah, the floor like with the size of them. Just it. I, I think even moose guides they when they come up on a moose, they're just amazing. Well, that, this hunt that Colton described was during the rut, and you know I'd been calling, and and he marched right in at about sixty yards broadside, and yeah, it's a humbling experience seeing that beast standing there looking at you. Um, so, you know, that hunt and I mean, so many of the hunts, I, it's very difficult to pick one Had a very similar experience with Hayden for his first moose. And, uh, so many of the hunts are, I mean, they're just so memorable and, and that's of course why we do it. But I like, like that was probably going to go the, the Newfoundland hunt last year. I flew out for a 10 day hunt for caribou and moose and ended up getting it done in one day and we probably saw 30 moose and oh. <laughs> probably a hundred caribou all in the same day and, and pulled the trigger on both of them and filled the tags. And 
it was <laughs> it was the, really a Serengeti in Canada for wild game. Newfoundland is a special place that way. So that was that was pretty epic. Does party wish that it didn't happen on the first day? Try and drag it out um, a little bit longer, no, or no? I, I think that's what made us was the uniqueness of that hunt that there were so many opportunities, and I certainly, you know, I wasn't rushed, and the guide wasn't pushing me, and uh, I just was comfortable with the uh, the animals I took and the way they presented themselves and the opportunities that were there. No, it just seemed to fall into place just so naturally. It was it was really excellent, um, and uh, you know, there's always still lots to do in camp and fishing and and exploring and helping the other hunters get their game. And no, it's, uh, it was, you probably regret it more when it's on the last night of the hunt and you, and you end up pulling the trigger. That's probably the, my least favorite because you start to to doubt yourself and the, the judgments you've made and, and how you found yourself on the last night with no, not an animal, uh, without the tag being filled. And, um, that's probably more unsettling and, and less memorable. <laughs> and it's happened that way. <laughs> it is. It certainly happened that way. Well, and of yeah, course, other sure. times you don't feel your tag at all. And, and, uh, you know, that was going to be one of my other hunts that I was going to describe as one of my most memorable was a hunt with my daughter up in our Bancroft property. And she came home from school and she was also only about 15 or 16. And we just on the, on a whim said, let's jump in the truck and go up for an evening sit and see what comes in. And, and I put her in my best tree stand and threw a couple of apples down at the base of the tree stand. And, and she was pretty green, you know, she hadn't had a lot of uh, experience and, and sure enough, um, she's texting me like crazy. Cause I'm over at another stand going for a moose. I had a calf tag and, uh, she's texting me. There's like six or seven deer wandering around. And then sure enough, this yearling comes in and is nibbling at the apples at the base of her tree stand and sitting there looking all doe-eyed up at her. And she just couldn't pull the trigger, didn't want to pull the trigger. She just sat and enjoyed watching these deer play and frolic at, at her feet for an hour or so. And she had a, an incredible evening. And I had a, a big bull and a cow and a calf come in to me at about 15 or 20 yards. I was in this real thicket and I was pinned down. I was on my way to my stand and, and this family was coming through and they almost marched over top of me and I had the narrow shooting lane and uh, the bull went through first and then the, the cow's gone through or is almost through. And I think, oh, here we go. Here we go. The calf's coming next. And she stopped and the calf came through and she sort of guarded the calf for me. I don't know that she was aware, but it certainly seemed that way. And the calf scurried through and the three of them off they went and I didn't get a shot and but I mean, it was just the most adrenaline rush. Oh boy, that was something. They were literally on top of me, and me with my bow, and I had yet to harvest a moose with a bow. And uh, we never, neither of us pulled the trigger, so to speak. And we just had the greatest time. I mean, I watched these deer for, or pardon me, these moose for close to an hour, as did my daughter with the deer. And and neither of us pulled the trigger, and it was just, it was just extraordinary just to see them and to be in, in nature with them. And, and, and so that's the greatest thing about hunting. You don't always have to harvest an animal to, to have a rewarding and fulfilling experience. It, it's, it's the experience that counts, not the act yeah, of harvesting sure. an animal. Uh, you, 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 yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, one of my favorite things about bear baiting, um, whether you harvest a bear or not, is seeing your hard work pay off in the sense of 
these bears have now made your bait a regular part of their day. It, uh, it, it makes for a rewarding hobby for sure. I would say I've been saying this, uh, to the couple of buddies that I have coming up to do a bear hunt. I've been, uh, really looking forward to having them come up because I enjoy the baiting and the prep time as much as I enjoy the Absolutely. Absolutely. Picking the spots, right? You're picking the spot, setting the the stand up correctly, you know, making sure the wind's going to be in your favor and cutting the shooting lanes and determining what bait to use and when to bait and how often to bait and all those intricacies of, of having a good effective uh, bait site uh, figured out and and that is so much a part of it and then the, when the the day finally comes when you pull the trigger it's kind of like oh darn <laughs> it's over my tag's full <laughs> well that's kind of what i felt this spring i i filled my bear tag and i was like well now what am i gonna do <laughs> so i'm texting buddies i'm like hey do you want to start uh, do you want to get into hunting or something do you want to you know well, i got the guiding there you, you go you see so that's the natural evolution yeah. for a hunter is you you have those experiences then you want to share those epic adventures with your friends and family and and others and make new friends and and introduce them to hunting and and uh and then be there for them and with them to watch them enjoy and, and have that same experience it's a it's wonderful yeah for sure yeah i mean my dad often says about hunting he's not a hunter at all he's his kind of slogan if you will to hunting is why would i want to sit on a cold rock in the middle of uh-huh. november in the rain and whenever he says that i'm like no no there's, there's so more there's more. more so there's so much more he's uh he, he's done it before he's just not uh it didn't uh didn't tickle his fancy though i mean uh uh, on my mother's side, everybody hunts that those are the guys that I go hunting deer with every year. Uh, her father was a black bear outfitter and he's kind of what got the ball rolling for me. Um, so essentially how it kind of went down is he was a black bear outfitter. We spent a lot of time together when I was a kid, him starting to show the ropes. And then when he passed away at a, at a young age for me, it took me a long time to kind of get back into hunting. I was about 18 and this has kind of been uh, sort of the mission of the podcast is to help streamline the process of becoming a brand new hunter into becoming a successful hunter, sort of uh, for newer hunters by newer hunters, uh, sharing, sharing experiences while they're still very fresh in my mind. So, and then getting the chance to sit down and talk with guys that have been doing it for longer than <laughs> I've been alive, like, yeah. like you, Jeff. So, so, uh, so I appreciate you sitting oh, no, down with us today. I appreciate uh, it. It's excellent. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, while you're thinking about the next question, I'm going to any... tell you about a little bit more about preparation. <laughs> Perfect. You can we, hear the pause that yeah, we, that we enjoy. <laughs> and, and so whitetail, we just, uh, bought a, uh, property recently it's a couple hundred acres in in a very good area and um, <clears throat> it's it's a magical place that already has lots of sign but um, you know we're trying to cultivate a, a, a the property to be a great deer property it already is a good deer property but we're trying to br- bring it up to the next level so you know I was out there clearing brush and 
planting food plots and you know we've got 15 or 20 game cameras all over the property trying to you know figure out where their bedding areas are where the travel corridors are any pinch points you know all of this all of this work that it work is the wrong word <laughs> all of this time in the woods trying to figure things <laughs> out and trying to create a, a great habitat and an environment for the deer so that the deer will stay on the property and and uh, you do all this work and at the end of the day you know you might take the buck out of the out of the herd i mean we don't tend to shoot does we typically you know try to target the big old dominant buck and um and let the less rest of them go and so you've spent all this time um as i say trying to create this environment for the deer so that they flourish and and you're really much more of a conservationist than anybody who calls themselves that because i don't know anybody that goes out into the woods and and creates food plots and and plants trees nut trees white oak trees or hickory or whatever it is that the deer you know, are thriving on and, and making all these attempts to make it a, a, a better ecosystem for them to, to do well and, and for them to, to want to stay on the property ultimately is your goal as, as developing a deer property. And so, I mean, that is months and months of work. It's literally 12 months a year and, and all in preparation of either the two-week gun season or the one-week muzzleloader season or maybe you're an archery hunter and you, and you can drag it out for an, a month. Um, and yeah, you can spend many days in the bush and and like you say you don't you don't want to you don't want to plug that animal too early on <laughs> because you've done all this work and you want to you know you want to be in the woods with them for a while so and it often seems that way that we always take the big buck late 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 in the season so we've spent 20 30 days in the stand uh long before we tend to get the, the animal that you're targeting but it's it's a year-long proposition it is not an afternoon sitting out on a cold rock in the rain and it is so much more than that i'm gonna make sure i send this episode <laughs> to my dad so he can Sorry, listen to dad. what you just said <laughs> yeah i mean hunting is just it's so much more than this sort of elmer fudd appearing activity as the media kind of shows it to be it's it's far more complex and has a lot more depth and i mean we could do an entire podcast on talking about what the what the money from license sales goes to and how that affects it's 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 something that all hunters kind of have an obligation to do to educate people about about hunting and how it's much more than getting drunk with your buddies one week a year and then trying to shoot as many does and yeah, fawns it's brown, as you can. It's, down it's, kind it's of far philosophy. more complex. And I, you know, I'm not trying to shame yeah, anybody. Exactly. I mean, if that's what the hunting experience for them is a week away from family and work and uh, they just want to put some meat in the freezer, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, but if you want, you can make it to be so much more. Totally. It's an for individual sure. choice and yeah, I'm all sure. about individual choices and freedom. So um, it's something different to everyone, but uh, I assure you, we make the absolute most of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, like this year I have a calf moose tag for that. For me, it'll be a uh, filling the freezer yeah. experience. Um, it, it, you know, it, everybody wants to shoot the big bull moose, the big, 50 plus inch and of course i do as well but a calf tag is it's a freezer filler um 
but then I also have a bear tag where I've already shot a bear this year and that's going, I'm going to be looking for a mature male bear, something that I'll, you know, pass up a few opportunities on something less impressive to get, uh, to get the proper genetics a trophy essentially out of the system. Well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, there's such a negative connotation of the trophy hunt, but I mean, the bear I shot in the spring is at the taxidermist right now. So I, I can't really, for me to shy away from the term trophy hunt would be disingenuous, but the term trophy hunt just needs further explanation. Yeah, trophy hunt for me. I mean, so. every, every animal we've ever harvested is a trophy. It's a recognition of a an epic adventure and and all the effort, as we've been talking about, that goes into any given hunt, and, and we don't take it for granted. And it's paying homage to the the species. And so I I have no trouble with taxidermy or or, or whatever trophy you want to take from the from the animal from the harvest, you know, just as a as a permanent memory on display for you know to foster conversations around the hunt and and to always just be able to sit back and look at it and cherish the memories. For sure. Yeah. And there also seems to be this, um, this idea that with animals, if you bring it to the taxidermist, you can't process Uh, any of the meat, which, um, I, I think if you're probably listening to a hunting podcast, you're probably a little bit further into the knowledge than assuming that, but the, the bear I have at the taxidermist, I've, I'm actually almost out of meat. I'm in a little bit of a meat crisis right now. So I'm really looking forward to goose season started up today. I didn't have enough time after work today to get out, but, uh, but I'm getting concerned. My freezer's looking a little bit empty these days, but uh, we'll get through it. So, um, so you guys do a lot of out of province hunting, a lot of uh, international hunting. Can you explain the process of bringing, wild game across provincial borders and international borders well with covid now of course that's changing uh changing things but uh there are no essentially (laughs) but even province to province now there there could be some issues and uh there's a covid protocol just even for traveling through the province uh on our because we go up into the yukon on our way into the northern part of bc where we'll be conducting our hunt and and uh, you know we're not allowed to stop in any stores and so on and uh, but once you've got your harvest you have to go to the ministry and and have the the animal inspected before it can leave the province um and there's protocols in place for coming in across uh, the american border we've you know certainly shot deer and elk there and and there is a procedure involved, as is traveling with your weapons uh, across the border. But it's, it's, it's easy enough. It's uh, the documentation; everything is online. It, it's nothing to be intimidated by. The first time is always, uh, you know, a little unsettling. You're not certain of what you're doing. But uh, if you're going through an outfitter, they facilitate all of that typically for you. If it's a do-it-yourself kind of hunt, uh, it's not difficult to navigate the. Uh, the uh the whatever the the network of paperwork that needs to be done it's 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 never been an obstacle really for us but you definitely procedures in place so, you have to rec- recognize and respect and and you don't want to just take it upon yourself to try to get it across the border without proper documentation yeah don't no. show up to the border with your 
with your gun and your kill and say, just be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Give yourself lots yeah, of time. Exactly. Do your research. Make sure exactly. you're doing the right thing. And every state, uh... every province is different. So to, to try to review it now in any meaningful way, it'd be pretty much pointless. And it also depends on the species. If it's, if it's waterfowl or it's a big game. And, and so it's, it's very complicated, um, but um, not difficult. Okay. Um, so you've been guiding for a while. Um, tell me some do's and don'ts when you're, when you go with a guide, maybe even a guiding horror story you've had from a client. Well, I would hope that I've never had a guiding horror story from one of my clients. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, maybe I, I worded that wrong. I would like to a, think they've all had a, a, a horror experience. story about <laughs> a <laughs> a horror story about a client yeah. as a guide. Um, so. I, you know, I've by and large have been pretty fortunate in all of the uh, the hunts that I've purchased. Um, you know, there's certainly been some disappointments, and it's all about managing expectations. So the the more that you can communicate, if you're you know if you're looking at an outfitter as a perspective as a perspective hunt, you you can't ask enough questions. You can't review enough on Facebook and and uh and do your background checks and ask for referrals and 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 look at the postings from last year's harvest and and do your due diligence just like in anything in life um the more you investigate it the more you become knowledgeable uh the more likelihood that you're going to be happy with your experience if you just wing it um you're almost certainly going to be disappointed so if you can you know, I, in an ideal scenario, you're going to say, hey, Jeff, where did you go in Newfoundland and who did you go with? Um, and uh, if you've got that, you know, anecdotal experience that you can share, that that's that's great as well. So but again, that's all just doing more and more of your own due diligence, you know, investigating the outfitter and talking to other clients and doing your homework. And, uh, you know, it's if you do all that, you're, you're going to be in business. It'll be great. For sure. Um, actually, on the subject, you used an example as uh, looking for a guide service in Newfoundland. I'm actually going, once we get off uh, the podcast here, I'm going to get uh, get some info if you have any about uh, Caribou Outfitters in Labrador, because that's my, uh, that's my well, plan that's for next year. Well, pretty ironic so. you mentioned that, because uh, I won't mention the guy's name on the podcast. Well, I suppose at this point in time, well, they're just, they're just purchased. They're a couple of ex-hockey players. And, uh, well, they're not X, they're still playing in the NHL. Um, and, uh, they, they've just recently bought an outfitting, uh, business out in Newfoundland for caribou and for moose. And, uh, we've been talking to them on Instagram about, uh, their business and trying to drive their business and, and things they can do to attract clients. Um, so I definitely would put you in touch with them. They're, they're as they say, they're just starting this year. They're a little bit late. Um, but they'll be up and running full tilt next year. And, uh, I would happy to pass your name on or vice versa because they've bought the outfit from uh, a company uh, that i'm well acquainted with as well so i I know that it's a good area and there's lots of game there so um, i'm sure that they're going to do great so and then of course there's some other affairs that i've traveled with and and i would be happy to share uh, those contacts with you as well yeah for sure absolutely we'll definitely get in the contact for that because uh i've 
I'm, I'm really looking to expand my hunting repertoire here. Well, you can't um, do much better for your done. for your money than going to Newfoundland because they it is a game rich province, and you know the number of encounters. You might not shoot the biggest moose. You're not shooting a 70 inch Yukon bull moose for certain, um, but there's still some big beautiful animals there, and the and the country is absolutely gorgeous. the The people are so hospitable. The it's just a great experience. If you haven't been to Newfoundland, I would I would I would recommend just going for the experience, even if you weren't going for the hunt. Um, you know, as I say, I took the boys there when they were young for fly fishing and salmon fly fishing. It, it, it was just unbelievable. We, we really, really love Newfoundland. It's a wonderful province. So I would strongly encourage anybody to go there. And, and again, as I say, in terms of the cost of, of uh, a moose hunt or a bear hunt or a caribou hunt for that matter, um, you know, your dollar gets you a lot in Newfoundland. Yeah, for sure. I, I was even just uh, doing a quick browse the other day and I found a caribou hunt for, I think it was around $1,600. And I was very surprised for that because you... 1600 don't you mean 16000 <laughs> 1600 that doesn't sound even possible. Well, wow. Yeah, and I was, well, I think it was four It must days. be probably due to COVID because um, that sounds like an outfitter who's uh, desperate to try to dump the last of his tags. Um yeah, I've never heard anything under even five thousand is a pretty good price for a caribou hunt. Uh, Ten thousand would be more typical, I would say. Um, so yeah, that seems like a crazy price. <laughs> if there are well, other hunters out there listening that wanted to go on a caribou hunt, they better get a hold of you because that I bet you that offer won't be around for long. Somebody's going to snap that up. That's amazing. Well, there there is a good chance I need to get my glasses <laughs> checked, so you never know. <laughs> I mean, the co- the cost of the tag alone to the outfitter would have no to be way. something like that. So you know, um, you know, there's and and everybody sells a hunt a little bit differently. You know, there's can be trophy fees. You've really got to make sure you again do your due diligence on on the costing because everybody uh, presents the the cost of the hunt a little bit differently. Um, you know, there may be charters if it's a fly-in that's an additional cost. There may be trophy fees, which are additional costs. You, you really need to do your homework and, and be fully aware of what you're getting into before you head out. Yeah, you don't want, you definitely don't want to uh, get there, shoot a bull caribou, and then uh, find out you owe another two thousand dollars to get it. Well, that's 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 back. guaranteed. Nobody so. includes that, so that's always an extra processing packaging and shipping back to ontario is is always an addition to whatever it is you're paying for up front that's that's i don't believe i've ever seen that included so that that's for certain because you may not even get an animal on a lot of these hunts so that they wouldn't work that price in and it's typically something an outfitter doesn't do so they're they're sending you on to someone else a butcher shop somebody that that uh, takes care of that aspect of the hunt um entirely separate from the outfitting operation so yeah for sure i mean my expertise in out in knowledge knowledge of outfitters is essentially slim to none i've actually never hunted right, with right. an outfitter i've always done diy so i'm really for looking forward to hooking up with you guys for this oh spring absolutely would love for to sure you. absolutely and uh even if you guys got a uh, got a free spot for some uh, for some geese coming up, soon. yeah, we're all we're all set for the. I just got some new silhouettes ordered in from the states. Uh, we've got lots of decoys. We've got 
lots of properties secured where we have exclusive permission and uh, lots of birds down here in uh, Clarington. So it's an excellent spot. Um, so we yeah, definitely get in touch for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what other hunts do you guys offer? I know you mentioned some of the bear and the deer. Um, is there anything else? That you uh, probably mention? the waterfowling, the geese and duck. We're, we're pretty big into that. We do an awful lot of goose huntings and uh, we take, we pretty much have got somebody that wants to come along on, on every outing and we're out 20, 30 days uh, in the season. We have a late season here in uh, Clarington, which is fantastic. It's uh, in February. It's uh, an extra a week that we get as a result of our no Sunday hunting and people come from all over the province to come here and hunt uh, at that time. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult hunt. I think your father would probably say, why would I go lie in a field in February in the snow <laughs> and the wind and the cold? But it can be some excellent hunting. So it, there's a, there's a okay. very lengthy season for geese here as well. So multiple seasons and it's, it's very long. So. Yeah, for sure. And um, did you, did your season start no, today? No, September no, September 1st? Everything no, okay. up north so of Sudbury, is, Sudbury, you know, your bear starts earlier. Yeah. Everything's everything's uh, typically earlier. So, yeah, I didn't. I think ours started mid August. Yeah, the fifteenth was right. Um, yes, I didn't really do a ton of investigating because I wasn't. I didn't yeah. have a tag, so I wasn't too concerned about it. So I just kind of uh, and, I, and I'm not all, paying attention this August. year because, uh, <laughs> of course, we're gone for five weeks. So I'm dropping the ball on a lot of things just so that we can have this adventure. So <laughs> I'm the wrong person to be asking. I'm, and you always want to be checking your regs and making sure you're <laughs> you're lawful and <laughs> observing all of the regs for your for your area. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's definitely not easier to ask nope. for forgiveness. Nope. It's it's that's Absolutely not how it works not. with the law. So just all all the regulations are available online. They're really easy to find. So it's, I mean, I'm on them several times a week just because I'm crazy about it. So I'm always like, oh, okay, where if I if I can't hunt here, where can I hunt on this date? So it's really easy to find. You just type in. Uh, Ontario hunting regulations or migratory bird regulations, Ontario, and you'll, you'll find everything you need to know. So, um, and then what are your plans for the rest of the fall? Or is this going to take up pretty well? your? uh, (laughs) you're kidding, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) a long stretch. Well, of course, you know, the, the two week deer hunt, uh, deer hunt in November is always is huge for us. So the, there'll be that. And then archery season precedes that. But we'll be competing with the bear and the turkey at that time. And so it's 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 a, every day will be booked right up until uh, New Year's Eve. I would imagine we'll be, we'll be in the field pretty close to it at any rate. That yeah. sounds like a great fall. Um so you mentioned fall turkey. It's kind of a ah, it is. It is. I don't know why a lot of guys don't care for it as much. You know, they don't tend to respond to the call as much, and you know, it's more of a spot and stock or an ambush. Um, Colton absolutely loves turkey hunting. I would you say it's pretty much your favorite other than hundred percent? Yeah. So he's quite the turkey slayer. This guy. And uh, his ability to, to find them and get up on them is, and, and that's his favorite style of hunting, uh, the spot and stock. 
So, yeah, the fall doesn't make any difference to him. He's not sitting in a blind trying to call and bring the bird into 10 yards. That's fun, absolutely. But Colton is much more, um, yeah, nimble's the word. There you go. <laughs> Adept at uh, sneaking <laughs> up on them. And, and he really enjoys that. It's a little cat and mouse game that he's exceptionally good at. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like I'm going to spend a lot of time on the phone with you guys getting hunts booked then, because that's something yeah. else I'd like to try. Well, you'll probably be um, able to Colton that, and then he's, uh, he's very good at that. Okay. Um, and Colton, you also mentioned you do uh, a little bit of fishing guiding as well? Yeah, or maybe Jake um, mentioned that to me. I've only done um, uh, a couple guided trips with uh, a fellow that my dad took hunting. I brought, took his kids out up just to uh, Rice Lake. We went a couple times fishing off the dock, just fishing for panfish, just helping get the kids introduced to fish and getting them hooked on it. But definitely, yeah, for me in the future, I'd be definitely looking at getting getting more into it, getting more into the fishing. Now, like you said, we got that new property out east towards Kingston. We've got the lake there, and I'm looking to move myself out there, get my own uh, business started up there, doing some property management. But I'm more excited about uh, getting out there fishing, not my boat, and then hopefully be able to do full-time guide trips out there. It's uh, Charleston Lake. Uh, Charleston Lake Provincial Park is a pretty big park, oh, nice but um, it's a very, uh, I would call it a destination lake, and it has been for a hundred plus mm. years. Americans have been coming up to hunt, like, uh, hunt, <laughs> fish uh, lake trout. So uh, give Colton a couple of weeks to get it all figured out and where the fish are, and he's mm. going to be uh, interested in taking people out on the lake for sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned uh, Rice Lake. That is a great lake. Oh, to yeah, absolutely. It's, people it's into so versatile. It's just about every single species it, in there. And then, well, also, too, I remember listening on your, yours and Jake's podcast that you did a couple of weeks back with uh, bad news about the pike, though, unfortunately, getting introduced a little too much because I know that used to be a great, great lake for muskie. Yeah, it's. Yeah, for sure. Even. Uh, I, I know oh, yeah. you talked to Jake. Yeah, we're good buddies. We've well. fished up uh, there with him several times. Or even just growing up, my dad, he had yeah, a good he, friend there. And Per, who lives up on the lake, and he's had a cottage there. So, I've yeah, I've been fishing that lake since, I don't know, probably since about five years old. So, I know that lake pretty well myself. Yeah. Me, I'm not too much of a fan yeah, of that it's, lake. It's because it's just such a big lake. It does receive lots of fishing pressure, but it still seems to be good. It's just always such a busy lake. There's always something going around. All those those guys on their jet skis just blowing by and making waves. And for me, for fishing, that's that's not what I enjoy. I enjoy the experience of being out there, being a part of nature, just having that peace, quiet, serenity. And that's just that's just something that you don't get on a lake like that. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely something I really enjoy yeah, about yeah, that's being great. up here in northern there. Ontario is it's just, mm-hmm. it's dead quiet. I mean, if you see one person on a jet ski in a weekend, yeah, you're what's like, going on? this is not the area. Yeah, what are you doing? That's more of a southern Ontario yeah. thing. So, so yeah. Um, was there any, uh, any questions that you guys uh, wish I asked here? Anything? No, I I mean, we could literally talk uh, for days and days about hunting and we haven't even touched, uh, you know, eating the the wild game and the and the meals we like to prepare and and how we harvest the animals and, um, you know, and process them. But, uh, you know, that's a day for another conversation. (laughs) Well, let's uh, let's jump on that for like 
two minutes, three minutes. Um, what's your favorite wild game meal? Oh, for me, um, I'll get both of you. Fish, fish, and okay. Well, for fish, um, I got uh, trips that we mammals trip I did up north. Like I've done the two trips now. One was just the fishing trip, but when you're fishing far up north, it's just it's, okay, it's just cool. so different. So the fish that come out of those cold lakes. And they're just so, it's just so pristine, so clean. The fish, the meat is just so perfect and white and it's Medium full of flavor and, and it's just yeah. nice. Yeah, like you said, nice and firm. It doesn't fall apart in your mouth. It doesn't have the kind of little bit of a fishy taste you get from the fish down here, down south. But I'd still say my favorite meat is probably the moose. But I used to like my moose steaks, but I've gotten I'm a real good fan of the moose burgers. I've kind of perfected that now i've got myself a real nice spice routine for it and nice just nice thick patties nice just the boys just love to host uh bear burger parties so yeah somebody that's never had wild game not bear uh, no but i know but hayden loves the to have the bear Mm -hmm. burgers as well so you know they there's so much you can do but the bear burgers and the moose burgers are i would say the biggest highlight around here but but for me, my favorite uh, wild game meat is bear as well. It's it's not venison, it's not moose, it's probably the bear. It's it's so underrated. I have yeah. to agree with you on that. It's I've heard so many people say, um, "Oh, it's greasy and, I, and it's smelly," and and I mean, you can ruin. You could go to the best butcher shop in town and buy a filet mignon. You can bring it home and ruin it. I mean, you know, you need to learn how to cook. You need to spend time just as we've much time we spend learning how to harvest them. We have to spend the same amount of time learning how best to prepare them because wild game is totally different than store bought domesticated animal. Uh, there, it, the meat is it doesn't have the fat content and you, you have to prepare it differently. Uh, you have to process it differently. You have to make sure that their scent glands are removed, that the, the connective tissue is not there, all the things that can taint the meat. And you know, want to hang it for the right number of days. Again, we could, we could talk at infinitum about the, the, the processes and, and uh, making sure that you've got good meat prepared for the table. But, um, again, that's all just part of the experience that we enjoy. Instead of sending it off to the butcher shop, we make our own hamburger, our own sausages. We do most of our own butchering. And it all just it enhances the enjoyment of the meal because uh, the more you're aware and the more you've been involved in bringing the food to the table, the the better the experience. It's it's all part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, sure. To cut it short, I would say pride. Pride <laughs> tastes good. That sums so, it up pretty well. Taking pride in it tastes good. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it, if you put in all that work, it's it's hard not to feel a certain amount of pride while you're eating it for sure. I mean, and back to the bear, it's so underrated. I, I do pull mm. bear all the time and I'll take that to work. Um, just throw it on a bun, makes a great sandwich. And then I'll even do like a really nice steak with onions and mushrooms and all that good stuff. It's bear is very underrated for sure. You just got to, for me, anyways, you got to just make sure Absolutely. you trim the fat because it's for bear, unlike venison, it's 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 a marbled fat. So it's it's kind of built into the meat instead of on the outside, as well as it being on the outside. Do you have any experience with making uh, bear grease and bear no, oil? No, I've never done that. All, all uh, 
other areas and aspects of hunting that, uh, you know, you're always looking to expand the whole entire experience and learn from the old timers and the, and, uh, you know, that's something we haven't done, but certainly something that I, I want to learn more about. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's kind of an untouched corner of uh, bear hunting as well. So I've heard it's great to, uh, if you're going to fry fish or uh, fry squirrel, I, I'm not sure what your stance is on squirrel hunting. I, I think yep, they're yep. fantastic. Aiden's a big fan. Very yep. under yeah, for sure. I mean, the the legs are like chicken wings. That's how I cook them. I'll fry them up and then put Frank's Red Hot on them. I think they're great. But uh, some people have a hard time wrapping their head around. No, I just like sure. the aspect so. of uh, trying to utilize every aspect of the animal that you've harvested from the from the hide through the you know to the bone marrow. Everything you know you can pull from that animal should be pulled from that animal. You know, for sure. Yeah, I, I took uh, the femurs from the bear that I shot in the spring, and I put or I boiled those into a into a soup stock. And you can use the entirety Absolutely. of an animal. Uh, another thing that's kind of underused is uh, is the ribs from deer. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I, I've had them just as ribs. I mean, even if you trim them out and you put them in as burger, um, just don't nope, leave them behind. Not. They're, yeah, I think they call that so the European quartering where they behind. just cut the legs off and and leave the the guts and the chest cavity intact and and they and the, they they miss the brisket they miss all the inside tenderloins etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah it's terrible but uh, it's some way of that's, doing uh, field tick that's Absolutely. a sin in my book Absolutely. yeah for sure I mean you spend all that time and all that effort money and all everything and then you go to leave food behind is ridiculous and it's a it's almost a dishonorable move to the oh, resource as well 100%. i've heard guys say oh sure. well the coyotes so, got to eat too well that that doesn't sit well with me <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's guys where it those kind of guys i might uh might not hang around too much longer. <laughs> well you definitely have to watch steve <laughs> Rinella, just, the meat eater uh what well, I'm a go. huge what fan. A I'm actually show. I'm reading his book right now. I'm sitting across the table. Uh, that's ironic. I picked table, one up so. for this moose hunt because I love to have a book to read on stand. So I've, I've got one of Steve's cooks yeah. books. So yeah, absolutely, he's excellent. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. If yeah, for everybody out there, if you want uh, a more nuanced look at hunting, check out the work of Stephen Ranella. Um, he has the TV show Mediator. He does podcasts as well. That was kind of my inspiration. Yeah, introduction to podcast. Yep. Inspiration. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for um, for the podcast as well. It's his work is fantastic and has a ton of nuance to it. It really. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I'd work, love to meet so. the guy. Yeah, very yeah, intelligent absolutely. guy. So. Yeah. So. I think that's it for now. I don't want to get into too much because I definitely want to have you guys back on the podcast. So I don't want to uh, steal up nah. everything, you know. We need a little more time. <laughs> so I think that would take. Time. I was about you, you beat me to it. I said it was going to take a bit more than an hour to steal up everything, you know. But uh, I would, I would love to have you back on after your hunting trip for a little breakdown. Um, good luck, much. guys, and uh, 
Let, let's get let's get together for some waterfowl. And we got you penciled in, brother. Sounds good. All right, perfect. Put put me in right, with Colton and you'll be sure to get your bird. Absolutely, I'll be there. You let me know. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining Thanks me. Thanks for having Have us. Have a good night. All right. Good night. Merry Bye. Bye. For now.